0: Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, Justin Baker in studio. Good evening, sir. It is evening, yeah, after 5 o'clock. Yes, it is evening. It is a wonderful Thursday evening in the National Hockey League. Uh, of course, we have lots to talk about. You know, No trades. Do we? No trades. Because I honestly thought we were coming to talk about
1: Captain Marvel this week, but... Oh, you saw that garbage? I did. <laughs> that garbage. Was it garbage? No, it actually wasn't that bad. I... I uh, I'd give it a solid B to be quite honest.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. It was decent. I uh, okay the the woman that played Captain Marvel Brie Larson. Uh, she's in Jack Ryan. I think is what she's. Is no, no, she no, no, no.
1: That's that's another woman. She oh, it was. Is? Yeah, Brie yeah, Larson got famous some. because uh because the movie Room,
0: Rooms. I'm sorry. Oh, Room. She got is, an oh, Oscar Room for it. Is what? Didn't uh, John whatever his name is John Krasinski isn't he the one that wrote he's Jack that? Ryan. Isn't he the one that wrote Ruby? No, you're thinking of Quiet Place. Oh, Quiet Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's why I don't have a podcast about <laughs> movies. <laughs> Anybody want to have me a guest on your Marvel show? Because I don't know. Yeah, let's stop talking yeah. about this now. Anywho, lots to talk about in the National Hockey League. Uh, there are some superheroes dancing around this league right now. but Good segue. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, we are specifically going to focus in on not trades that will happen but trades that have happened and uh, we're going to just kind of run through the bigger names that were dealt at the deadline we have around 10 of them and we're just going to kind of check up check up on them see how they're doing and uh you know i've watched some some players games not all of them have i seen live since so admittedly some of this you know we're we're looking at a stat line which ultimately it, it certainly serves some some purpose, uh, but I think you know we can also talk. We can look at, uh, for example, with Wayne Simmons. Uh, we'll just start this off. We'll, we'll we'll dive right into Wayne Simmons after after we do this. We'll talk specific on playoff races, uh, but for now we'll just focus in on individual players. Wayne Simmons one assist since coming over the Preds. Granted, we're six games in, so it's it's tough because you know a guy comes from another team and he's got to get used to a new system and. He is playing two and a half minutes less a game, which might not sound significant, but he's certainly not being put into situations uh, that he was used to being put in in Philadelphia.
1: No, he's definitely not being looked at as a guy who has to fill in the top six, right? He has to be one of the, the top scorers for that team because, let's face it, Nashville's got a got a pretty good roster up and down. And, um, and I think, too, there's been a lot of line shuffling, too, since he's come there because Philip for- Forsberg has been out. You know, a little bit since Which he got you over. Would think
0: that that would be a reason to to move Simmons up in the lineup.
1: Yeah, but I, I think when a guy's trying to acclimate himself to a new system, when you can't gel with you know maybe a certain line, and you're just you're up and down the board, you're playing with Johansson, then you're playing with Nick Benino, and and then Colton Sissons, When you don't have consistency, you know whether it is just center or just two line mates in general, I think it's a little bit harder to acclimate to a system, and you know. When you're not used to it, I guess. But.
0: Yeah, one very telling stat to me is his offensive zone starts. So he has started 71% of the time in the offensive zone when he's out there for a face-off. Wow. That is remarkable. The, the highest that he's ever had with a single team you know, up to this point was 59% in 16-17 with the Flyers. Uh, and of course, this is only over the course of six games. So again, it's this isn't necessarily you know you you start a bunch in your offensive zone in three of those games, and those numbers are kind of thrown off a little bit. But it does show that they aren't exactly you know looking to use him in the defensive zone, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, when you got guys like Brian Boyle and Colton Sizens, who are very good two way guys, I mean. Why? you don't need a guy like Simmons, right? Like, you know, Philadelphia, they had a bunch of younger guys like Jordan Wheel or Konechny, you know, guys that maybe you wouldn't trust right away, at least not this young in their career, to start in the defensive zone as much. So you rely more on veterans to do that kind of thing. Guys who are good at face-offs, guys who know how to, you know, play that two-way game. And I, I'm i not knocking Simmons on it at all. I think he's a very capable two-way player. Um, not one of the best, but he's still very capable. And so I think when the when you're blessed with as many um, quality two-way guys as Nashville has, guys that can play in the defensive zone, you don't have a need for a guy like Simmons to constantly be there.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Now I, I think one one way too that we can kind of you know figure out all right how, how big of an impact has he had since he got there, let's look at the team's record since he started playing there. And the predators are three and three. So <laughs> For the most part, I would say that that actually, and we can't, of course, look at Wayne Simmons and go, oh, he's the reason they lost all three of those games or, or any of those games matter. Uh, it's, it's just that, you know, there's, it's an easy measuring stick. And since he got there, uh, he really hasn't been, uh, oh, you know what? I totally lied. <laughs> he's not three and three. I, I'm sorry. I was looking uh, a little further up. So they are actually two and four. Oh, so well, even better. Yeah, so I mean that. I don't know. That's uh, not necessarily a sparkling review, I would say. And I mean his his one assist did come in a win, but uh, it's no. I think his real not value like a huge impact at this point. Although he did play nineteen minutes and thirty six seconds in a loss to Nashville in ooh, their last
1: game. So. Okay, yeah, I I do think his real value though is going to come playoff time. You know, if he performs, like if he. He ends up being one of those role players, like Lars if Eller was for up, Washington. will be good, yeah. If he can, get it. <laughs> uh, mothers cover your ears. Uh, yeah. So the if he can, if good. he can, they totally understand.
0: Yeah, that's true. They do. They if, are mothers. After oh
1: boy, let's let's just move on. I'm let's gonna move stop on talking. to
0: Kevin Fiala, another Nashville Predator. Uh, it's it's. I mean, obviously now we know since acquiring him, they're they're also uh, you know that uh, what, what do we have here? They're. Oh, I'm so sorry. They're. One and they've lost two games in a shootout. Although one of those games he was playing for Minnesota. I don't know. This is this game log is a little confusing. <laughs> it's okay. This game the, log. Anywho, I should learn how to read a game all log. All right. Seven games in many. Two, two, goals. two goals. Two goals and they came in the same game in a shootout loss to Minnesota. So the two goals he scored were against the goalie that he practiced against all his whole career. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> no, not his whole career. Well, sort of. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. He's been in Nashville yeah, ever yeah. since the trade. So, so, uh, so, yeah. I mean, he's got two goals, and he so basically, he had he had one really solid game. He he actually actually he's had two games where he had you know he had three shots and four shots and another one. And so, I mean, I, I don't know how big of a difference they expected Kevin Fiala to make right away. Uh, certainly, it was nice that he got those two goals, but Minnesota really has struggled since he came on. And uh, I, t- I understand now why I was reading that game log wrong, because I was thinking that Kevin Fiala Nashville Predators didn't even dawn on me that he actually plays for the Minnesota wild and got that's, traded. That's from who Nashville. he was traded yes. to. Yes. So yeah, because they played Nashville twice since he's been there. Uh, that, that just, that's what threw me off. A so good old Granlin trade. So they are two, two and two since he got there. Well, at least they're 500. At least they're consistent. Yeah, Minnesota. There's a there's
1: a team that I'm going to enjoy talking about a little bit later, but Fiala, he gets to play top line minutes with Parise and Stall, so you would think the production would be a little bit more. I mean, he's expected to be one of their top offensive guys. Now, another guy on their team that maybe we could segue right into, Ryan Donato. He's looked pretty good since he since he came over from Boston and that that trade's looking pretty good
0: for Minnesota right now. Yeah, with uh with Charlie Coyle coming over. Yeah, good old Coyle. Yeah, Coyle not so much. Uh one assist in nine games. He's averaged fourteen and a half minutes a game and he's he's been good in the face off circle. He's he actually is uh has his best face off percentage, you know, nine games in uh since seventeen, eighteen season. So that's uh that's a that's a benefit. He has been very good in terms of possession. I mean, his, his Fenwick is a 61.3. Of course, wow. he's a 60.2. So that's, I mean, that's, I would say, elite-level possession. Now, the players that he's playing alongside are certainly helping to push that possession as well. Uh, definitely not a not like a crazy offensive zone start percentage, 52.6%. And actually, his PDO is quite low at 969 uh, the on-ice shooting percentage for him right now in Boston is 1.4%, which my guess is that means that one goal has been scored since he – yep, one goal has been scored with him on the ice since they got him, and it was the one that he assisted. Ouch. That's that's tough to do almost. And, and, <laughs> but at the same time, they've he's only been on the ice for two in nine games. So that's not bad. So, I mean, I guess you could say that he's at very least he's eating up minutes for this team, which is partially what they need because that top line that top line can drive possession, they need someone else to to at least be neutral, yeah, that's um whew, oh boy
1: yeah charlie coyle i I didn't like this trade for Boston when they did it because they had to give up such a young talented piece in Donato. I understand why they wanted to do it. They wanted to bring in a guy to anchor that third-line center position. And Coyle, you know, he's played most of his career on the wing or, at, you know, at times at center. And so he – I mean, he came into this league as a center, right? So, you know, I I understand it. But, I mean, it just wasn't the right move in my opinion. And I don't think – like we're seeing right now, it hasn't panned out. So they got him on the wing with Krejci now because he's just not playing. He's not driving – offense on that third line
0: right and and i mean when you look at how well donato's played you you, makes you wonder what was going on in boston why wasn't he playing more you know push him up to the second line center because it's pretty clear i mean he's he actually he's he's playing the wing in minnesota i should say but he could play alongside the wing he could of uh he could have against crazy but i mean he's got nine points in ten games he's uh he's been playing very well in minnesota i think you know sometimes it's just you just need a fresh breath of air you know and that's bruce boudreaux has put him into a situation where he is succeeding he's actually starting fifty three and a half percent of his faceoffs in the defensive zone so they're relying on him defensively uh playing him about 15 16 minutes a night on average and it's working out real well for them yeah yeah i i <laughs> Can't remember which. It, um, which it's about time that a trade worked out for Minnesota. They're <laughs> yeah. trading Wayne Niederreiter for uh, for Tugarask's ugly cousin. Oh,
1: that's not
0: Victor. Victor. Oh goodness.
1: Yeah, Donato. Let's see. He is a restricted free agent after this year, so I suspect he'll get a nice little raise from Minnesota. They'll Should probably want to keep. Bump? Yeah, a little bump. Maybe give him that Charlie
0: Coyle money. Three and a half, four, yeah. four and a half, somewhere in there. And, and that was probably some of the Bruins thought process as well is that, you know, he's going to sign this deal and they maybe don't have the space for it because they signed some players like David Backus to long-term deals that aren't working out. Yep. And Coil to me
1: is David Backus 2.0. So uh. congrats. But at least, at least Coyle's only got
0: one more year left on his deal. So congrats. I, I will say this about Donato. You make a great point. He is the highest scoring player dealt at the deadline thus far nice uh let's go matt duchene who has uh, played 11 games for the the blue Jackets. we'll just kind of wrap duchene and dezingle in here together uh, 11 games two goals three assists he's got five his five points uh crushing it in the face-off circle as he always does 57.8 uh, percent. he's playing about 18 minutes a game a little less than he was in ottawa but that's expected He is starting 63% of his draws in the offensive zone. So Tortorella focused on setting him in the offensive zone, not really giving him much defensive responsibilities, which sort of makes sense because they do have maybe some other guys that can.
1: Yeah, you got Brandon Dubinsky, Boone Jenner, guys that can go in there and play a two-way game and yeah. So, yeah, you don't have to rely on Duchesne to to be that defensive guy and you
0: want to you want to unleash the beast as yeah, they say. Yeah, and he has his best possession numbers since uh 2016-17 with Colorado. So, that's I'd say that that's a that's a healthy uptick in his possession that now you're putting him with some players that are good and he's above that 50% mark uh with his possession. His PDO has actually been it's it's 97.7 uh that's not that it's it's not that crazy um shooting percentage has been 10% when he's on the ice it's a little above average but he's also playing with some really good players it's the fact that he leaves so in in ottawa uh, they were his on ice sh- shooting percent uh, save percentage was 87.6% i mean that's you're you're just naturally going to be minus you know that's why he was he was actually Tip the cap to the guy. He was only a minus four in in Ottawa, but in in Columbus here, he's a minus two. Not that we really care too much about that minus two, but eighty seven point seven percent save percentage when he's on the ice with Columbus. So the save perc- the the goaltending hasn't necessarily been much better in Columbus than it was in Ottawa. And you know you look at that, and to me that is concerning for Blue Jackets fans who are desperately trying to make the playoffs and are currently, they're, they're what? They're sitting on the outs. Uh, oh, they're just on the inside, uh, having more regulation overtime wins than Montreal. And uh, a big win against the Boston Bruins. So
1: Yeah, very nice win. Now, talk about another guy in Columbus, Dezingle, um, a guy who's put up six points in nine games, looking pretty good, Columbus native. Outscoring. Yeah. Shane. <laughs> so it, it kind of makes you wonder, right? So I, I'm still of the mindset that, you know, Panarin is going to be not in Columbus next year. Um, Yeah. See ya. So I want to know your opinion. Do you think either one of these two guys are getting re-signed next, you know, this off season here?
0: Um, I'm going to say that it kind of is going to depend on what they do here. I mean, I got to imagine that they'll be willing to throw money at someone. They have to, you know, they they have to throw money at at somebody because they have to have someone and they, you know, they're, they're, uh, they've they're they proven that this team does care about winning uh, they're not just going to go spend money for the sake of spending money but they it's not that these owners don't understand we got to pay to get a good player uh, I think that that's understood when you know they want to keep Panarin but Panarin's probably going to leave Duchesne, Dezingle, not a bad prize I, I guess secondary prize but at the same time Duchesne's never won anything in this yeah, league true and uh Dezingle has been to the stanley cup finals a couple of years, or uh, the conference finals i should say yeah. with, within one goal of the stanley cup one final. goal <laughs> uh you know something interesting to me since uh since acquiring Duchesne, i mean in the last we we're looking at five five games panarin has an assist and when i when i think about the reasoning for bringing in Duchesne and Dzingel, well, it's to provide depth and to allow Panarin to play with a really good center. Uh, whether that's whether he's playing with Dubois or he's playing with Duchesne, it just takes pressure off Panarin because there's other players that the opposing team has to focus on. And you know he's he hasn't been playing great. He really he has one goal since Duchesne joined the. Uh, the Columbus blue jackets. That was 11 games ago. Uh, I mean that that one goal in 11 games, but he has, he has 25 goals in the year. So he had 24 goals in the 50 games prior to that or 55 or whatever it is. And then now he's, uh, you know, in 11 games, he's got one.
1: Yeah, and his ice time really isn't dipping either. I mean, you look outside of the Boston game where he only played 15 minutes. I mean, he's still putting up 20, 21, even one as high as 22 and a half against Pittsburgh and so the minutes aren't dropping for him at all, which is just it's crazy to think about. You usually think when, you know, guys aren't scoring, you know, maybe it's because you would think, "Oh, well, you know, Duchene's here, so his ice time's going to drop and he's not going to get as many
0: opportunities to play." And it's it's not the case here at all. Yeah, yeah. And well, I mean, he's a winger, but the thing that's crazy to me is 76.4% of his draws are in the offensive zone. I mean, dang. Tortorella does not trust this guy whatsoever. Even even for all the talk about how Panarin is such a possession driver, well, yeah, no kidding. He doesn't play in the defensive zone. He doesn't start in the defensive zone. 3 of every 4 faceoffs happen in the offensive zone. So your team, let's say your team wins 50% of those, so that's 2 or 3 to, or uh, one or two times at least out of the four faceoffs that you take that you immediately get possession and you're almost always getting a shot off of that possession if you win that draw cleanly one of those four you're assuming that you are and and maybe you're winning two or three of those four and so I mean they're he's really put into a position to where he can succeed and he's not having to take any defensive responsibilities so for all the talk about him being somebody who can just drive possession I, I mean, I, it's not that I don't think he's really, really good. Do I want to pay him $10 million to come to my team, though? I don't think so.
1: Boy, yeah, that new uh, Stone deal, though, is going to make it hard to for him to argue the other way.
0: Stone... Remind us how, how much, what Stone's he's, new deal it's was. It's going to be nine and a half I mean, million. He hasn't signed it yet. No, no, he hasn't mil. signed it. But, I mean, you, you know,
1: if you're and you're going to say, okay, he's in a state where there's no, you know, state tax, right? So, you know, oh, okay, well, because of that, I should get at least a, a million, million and a quarter more f- right. for that purpose. Right. So are you going to pay him 11 million? I'm not paying him eleven. No, so yeah, no,
0: especially for a winger. Exactly. That's that's where I I have trouble with that. Uh, well, let's let a good segue over to Mark Stone. Let's let's scoot on over to him. Uh, kind of looked was a little slow slow going early on in those first few games. Granted, he's he hasn't played that many games for Vegas. Uh, he's played six seven games for Vegas, uh, and and he's got four points in his last three games and. Uh, only one before that. So I think that that's a that's a good progression for him. He now has two goals in his last two games and you know, Vegas should make the playoffs here. I mean, it's uh it, it's to me very unlikely that they get caught by any of these teams, especially being 7 points up on Minnesota. So they I mean they're I suppose there's and a very very far outside chance that Arizona could catch them for that third slot. Yeah, there. no,
1: but, those three teams in the Pacific are locked in. Yeah, they're not going I mean, anywhere. it's
0: like Calgary and Calgary and San Jose are battling f- for uh for that first spot. I mean, and Calgary second in the NHL too. Calgary's <laughs> certainly making their presence known just absolutely putting it to the New Jersey Devils the other night I and mean, they won Ooh. 9 to 4. <laughs> what a 9 Ooh. to 4. That's that's not a score you see very often. That's like no nope. baseball score, and that even is a a pretty good shellacking in baseball. So. Six points for Goudreau. yeah, insane, unreal. Yeah, that's an unreal night. Uh, um, who do we want to go to next? We can just kind of let's let's jump over to Gustav Nyquist. He yeah. was one of the first guys dealt at that deadline. Goes to the San Jose Sharks from the Red Wings, and actually having a a pretty good start. I'd say he's got three goals in seven games, uh, four points. And, you know, he's he's been given enough responsibility. He's playing 16 minutes a night. And so your thoughts on Gustav Nyquist with the with the Sharks?
1: Yeah, I think he's doing exactly what they kind of thought he would do, right? I mean, like any, I mean, a majority of players, right, unless they're there to drive, a, you know, a top line on your team, you know, it's going to take him a little bit to get acclimated. And I think for him spending most of his, you know, a majority of his games with Joe Thornton on that, that uh, that third line now and now he's kind of bumped up you know because you know Evander Kane's been out unfortunately and uh, you know for those who haven't heard the news we uh, I found out on the way over here that apparently his 26 week year old daughter passed away unfortunately and our that's thoughts and prayers go out that's terrible yeah <laughs> terrible but uh, Nyquist so he's I mean He's one of those guys you can move up and down the lineup so easily and he he plays a good enough two way game where you don't have to worry about him defensively messing up, you know, or being one of those guys where you're like, Oh well, let's not put him against the team's top line. You can you can put him up anywhere you want and he's gonna produce and he's still got enough good speed, he's got enough playmaking ability. Granted, he doesn't go into those hard areas, you know, to, to make those kind of you know, to plays well, like I'm with Pavelski might do but, you need to.
0: Well exactly. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Not at all. Uh, not that I mean Thornton will go into some of those areas, but Thornton just can thread the needle. And so you just have to kind of get yourself open a just little bit. Just put your stick on the ground. He'll put it there. Right. And actually, I mean, for for a guy who was playing on such a bad team, Detroit, um, he still had positive possession numbers, which is impressive. But now coming to San Jose, I mean, a 56-7 Fenwick is extremely good, especially for playing on a third line. Like that's, I would say, borderline, like top five third lines in the league. When he's playing with Thornton there, and you know he's he's practically up the middle on his own starts, and so yeah, I I think it's a really nice fit, and he may actually end up being one of the sleeper picks for you know one of the best pickups here at the deadline because the Sharks have flipped that switch and they look like it's it's going to be hard in the playoffs to beat the Sharks.
1: Yeah, they're going to be tough, and but the only the only knock I had against Gustav Nyquist is playoff time he hasn't. He hasn't really been there for the Wings in the past. And granted, you know, I, he, their first playoff appearance, he was 22 in 2011, 2012. He only got four games. But after that, next year, he got he 14 He only games. averaged eight minutes and 52 seconds Right this time. So hard to blame him for much there. No, no, no. But, I mean, the you know, the last four seasons that he was in the playoffs with Detroit, you know, those those last three, they were bounced in the first round, you know, by Tampa Bay most of the time and or Boston. And so it, it never really – never really got the the ice time or the 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 game experience to really see if he could really produce so uh, outside of that one in 2013 where he he got 14 games but only 5 points and so i'm interested to see what he can produce in guy the was playoffs only
0: playing 12 and a half minutes i know yeah that, that's i mean it's not bad though look for at a third line guy per 60 that's not bad no not at all you know and that's and that's i think also what you got to what you have to look at uh, you know that that 2012 13 team he was he was playing like third line with a little bit of second power play time. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't nearly the guy that they relied on later on, which, which is frankly exactly where he is now with San Jose. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if come playoff time, he can be impactful. Um, But I think that his defensive abilities alone, uh, you know, he, he can at least neutralize. Yeah. Right now he's getting
1: 48.9% in the defensive zone starts, which is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So he's being relied upon a little bit for
0: that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's skip on over to Kevin Hayes where, uh, I would say that he's been one of the better pickups in terms of production. You know, he's got two goals, three assists, uh, he's, he's been relied upon. He's, he's winning faceoffs. He actually has his, the best face off percentage of his career <laughs> in the first seven games <laughs> with the jets. All right. So, Hey, that's, uh, if that can continue, that's just a, you know, an extra bonus. He is starting 64% of the time in the offensive zone. So he's definitely being set up to, to play in that offensive zone. Uh, and to to me, that's exactly what you want because you're gonna you're not afraid of putting Brian Little in the into the defensive zone, and you're also not afraid of using that top line in the defensive zone as well. So Shifley taking those draws in the defensive zone is is yeah. really what you want. He and Wheeler just phenomenal uh, two way right. guys, exactly. Which which is a unique thing for you know a top line to you're really. Maybe going to think about relying on them more in the defensive zone where a lot of teams have that specialty defensive line or that center who can come in and win your draw and then get off the ice and and replace himself with the better player, but uh, they they do have that unique two way game uh, have you Have you had a chance to see Kevin Hayes play with the Jets at all yet? I have not unfortunately okay. yeah. he uh, I mean the nice thing is it's Winnipeg just gets even bigger. Like, he's a monster, 6'5", 215, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's. I think he fits well. You know, you get a team that also, play, they play pretty heavy, and so I think that it, Well, Kevin Hayes isn't exactly known for just blowing guys up, I think that it can encourage a guy to maybe play a little heavier when he's got those players around him. Yeah,
1: so. he's got a little speed to his game, and not, you know, he's not slow by big guy standards for sure, And and let's face it, once, playoff time starts. That's when the grind starts, right? And so when you get deep, you know, that second round when, you know, potentially maybe they have to play Nashville, you know, and there's a team
0: that really grinds, wears you down. He'll come in handy. Yep. That's that's very true. And I mean, they just, they needed that third center. I mean, it was they, they were looking for it all year long ever since they lost Paul Stassi. Okay, let's go to the Colorado Avalanche and Derek Broussard. uh since joining the Avalanche. Uh, he and the Avalanche I would say have have struggled for the most part. He's got two goals in eight games and that is the extent to which he has produced Uh, that goal. I think both those goals came in a loss. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. Both those goals came in a loss. So uh, his, even when he's produced, it hasn't exactly mattered. So uh, they, they have won three games since he got there out of the, what did I say? Out of the nine, eight games out of the eight games. So they've they've really struggled. They're falling fast. Uh, just lost three nothing to the Hurricanes. Maybe fortunately they get a game against Anaheim here next, which you know pretty much everyone beats Anaheim. So they can maybe assume that that's two points in the in the win column.
1: Listen, and, he's playing alongside Nathan McKinnon. If you can't produce, right? I got, I got, yeah, I got worries for that guy right now.
0: Yeah. So it's it's just. You know, I think that Derek Brassard was a nice player three years ago, and he's 31 years old, and he's kind of hit that like some some of those middle of the road guys hit 30, and that's it. Yeah,
1: and maybe I I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that you know when he went to Pittsburgh, he just he got put on that third line. He didn't he wasn't given the opportunity to. You know be a top six guy like he wanted to and maybe mentally that just did something to him and so maybe this off season, right he needs to go into a team that signs him to a, a cheap one-year contract and he can you know reset mentally and then go back in fresh to start the season and maybe win a spot back
0: yeah that's fair so yeah not not that he maybe can't go somewhere else and produce but right. my guess is that he plays on a bad team and he's he's decent uh you know i could see him going back to ottawa if he I I don't remember the relationship between him and Ottawa when he left. I don't think that it was bad. I think that it was just that they were looking to move him out because he was costing them money and they needed a drop of somebody. So, uh, you know, I can see him going back to Ottawa. Stick him in
1: Arizona with Stepon so they can put
0: that number one, two center line
1: together again. Right,
0: right. There we go. There we go. Uh, let's go to Michael Granlund, who has I uh, mean four points in five games. He's got the one goal. He's not exactly a, a guy who's going to light the lamp for you, uh, and so we can maybe assume that that'll you know that that'll come. He's playing almost 18 minutes a game. I'm surprised at uh, I mean his offensive zone starts pretty much even with with what he what he was used to. I am surprised though that. His possession has actually taken a a dip since coming to Nashville, which is not something that I would expect him coming uh, over to the Predators, who are a pretty good possession team anyways. Uh, The fit seems to be there, but I think that this is just a case of he's only played five games. And I think this is just a case of he just needs some time in their system, maybe a little more complicated than Boudreaux's, like, just go play and have fun. Right. And not not to mention, too, he he was the top center, you know,
1: in, in Minnesota, right? He was looked upon as that guy, that number one center. And now he's playing second-line minutes. And not only that, but he's playing on the wing, which, you know, granted, that's a little less defensive responsibility, but maybe that's something he thrived upon, right, playing up and down that middle and now you know having
0: to stick to the left side, maybe that's just not not his thing. Which which that's just happened because of injuries, right? Like sure. The plan, I think, long term has got to be that he's that third line center, or maybe he's the second line center, and you bump Turris down. Uh, that doesn't. I would think that's the plan, but yeah, who knows? So yeah, he, we'll uh, TBD on on Michael Granlund. Uh, lastly, let's well Matt Zuccarello. We're going to just kind of gloss over because he Sorry. scored a goal, and uh, I mean he has the best points per sixty <laughs> out of any player traded at the deadline. Uh, that's because he scored in the first what like five minutes of of ice time. So and then and then he got injured and he's out for I, he's not out for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's is not. he is he out for the rest of the year? Yeah, It was okay. four weeks. So if he oh, comes back, he four. might
1: he might get a, a game or two back. Okay. At okay, the end of the year, depending play on how the playoffs, he'll play in the playoffs. Yeah, he'll be yeah. ready for the playoffs.
0: And da- Dallas looks like my my guess is, I mean, they're seven and three in their last ten. Uh, they're they're in a good spot right now. And and a big actually, I mean, tonight Dallas plays Minnesota, so there'll be a playoff that can game be right a big there. That can be very telling. If if Dallas is able to win that game, they pull five points ahead of teams outside the playoffs, and that's that probably seals it with with twelve games left to go. Uh, Marcus Johansson traded from the Washington Capitals to the Boston Bruins. Another player on the Bruins that I, kn- I know he got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt, but four games in, had an assist in uh, in the first three games. But it uh, was only used, was used somewhat sparingly in the first, or he was, he was used pretty well, I'm sorry, in the first few games. But then, of course, a 59-second game will make that number look a lot worse than it actually is because he got hurt really early on. But... Uh, so again another another kind of just like a disappointment, but not for the lack of playing. It just he can't play right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's too bad. Not not a huge fan of his right now, so we'll see. Again, he's another player that might just
0: need to reset in the offseason and go sign somewhere else. Yeah, but maybe you know, I'm wondering if the the Bruins can't get in the playoffs and he has maybe a good playoff. I hope he doesn't have a good playoff because it's gonna be against the Leafs, so it you know, will be. Secretly, I just want him to not <laughs> I want him to struggle. Uh,
1: yeah, like, uh, boy, we have to talk about last night's game, by the way, at some point, so.
0: Well, let's go. Well, that's okay. all the
1: players I have. Well, to to. I'm I'm fine with, with stopping it there and moving yeah. on. So, I just, one play in particular, and it, it to me it kind of summed up um, how I feel about Toronto's defense and how much I am worried for them, and it's the fourth goal against Anderson when they all four guys just collapsed on, on, I can't remember who it was in the corner, and just left a guy wide open to score on Anderson with, like, no effort
0: at all. Well, your thoughts. I'll say this. Uh, according to Nazim Katri, everyone is, a lot of players are sick. Hyman missed last night. Like sick, sick, sick or just like sick they, of they have, it? They have the flu. Oh, okay. So the flu is going around that team. Uh, Hyman was missed last night because of the flu. Other players have been, you know, not feeling the best. Uh, that, I mean, I, I, can't imagine. I mean, I, I think I've been sick a couple times and still gone and played. Uh, I usually actually have pretty good games. I think. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> trying to work so hard oh. to just push through it. But I, I do think that, that certainly at that level is has got to affect you. Uh, also, there are like Jake Gardner's been m- missed some time. Uh, there, there's been quite a few injuries. Casper Kapanen's out with a concussion right now. They're just kind of these weird little little injuries that have been popping up uh, doesn't excuse peewee hockey style everybody go run to the puck uh, but we we see that happen from time to time I yeah I am I, I'm I'm worried about the Bruins top line and that's it okay you know, if you can figure out a way to stop if you stop them you're going to win. Like that's that's I would, a fact. I would agree absolutely that's a fact. you're going to win.
1: Kraichi okay he's got some offense to his game but yeah but but he doesn't have anybody
0: to play with right well, cuz no one else, else when you match who you, okay let's let's assume that Tavares maybe it's like Tavares and Marner are going to pair up against the patrice bergeron line Yeah, they're or, the defensive line i think that babcock trusts the most right now uh or or maybe you know maybe it's Kadri and you Kadri and nylander are going up against them i i mean it doesn't doesn't really matter you're gonna put one line up against them or maybe you're just gonna you know you've got a couple options that you'll put out against them i mean whoever gets to go up against patrice or against david Krejci. You're not as worried because, okay, it's Austin Matthews matched up against him or it's Tavares or it's Kadri. And at very least, Kadri, I think, is probably pretty even with him. Uh, so I, I do think that the Leafs can win that series. It depends on how many goals the Bruins' defense can score for them, I think. And I'll say this. Last year in the playoffs with, uh, with Zidane Chara. I thought that the Leafs did a great job at exposing Zerona Chara. And so if they can do that again, if Chara appears to be just a step behind once again, once the, you know, once the speed picks up and guys are going all out, because it's the playoffs, will Chara look slow again? Because he, he definitely, I remember specifically, he made some mistakes behind his own net, just giving the puck away because he couldn't make a decision fast enough. Here we are a year later. Will that come up again?
1: Yeah, I'll give you that. I do worry. Um, hopefully, Frederick Anderson can can get back into the swing of things. Being pulled the last two games with that defense in front of him, I'm not surprised no, not, that they gave not up. Not Anderson's fault. No, 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 not at all. But I'm just he, he needs to get back to where he was playing at, and so um, so does that defense. I I, think w- I wonder to, if he's sick
0: too. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, but, that's that's yeah. always possible. Um, Interesting. Let's let's talk the Eastern Conference wild cards because well, I think that that'll have to include the the metro you know i don't the leafs are what they're they're uh, eight points ahead of montreal with 12 games left to go that's almost a a lock yeah that top three just like the pacific i think they're locked
1: in they're not going anywhere it's just whether or not maybe toronto can you know can catch boston for
0: that number two that home home ice but we'll see now a big game tonight or i'm sorry tomorrow night uh friday night columbus and carolina play each other so that's That game will either you know either Carolina kind of pulls ahead uh, or Columbus kind of pulls things even, and if Montreal can can beat the Islanders tonight, then you've got three teams tied at eighty three points. The Penguins have put together a really nice stretch six two and two in their last ten. They're getting better goaltending. They they did go in and they beat Washington in Washington, so that's that's a big. I think there's something about that rivalry. Those games can catapult the Penguins into finishing this season strong. I, I really do think that if a team in this league can flip the switch, is it not the Penguins?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. They I mean we've seen it Crosby. He's been playing like a man possessed lately, so
0: like maybe that's that that was the catalyst right there, right? Isn't he's that been... just the definition of his entire career? It really. He's <laughs> just I mean, he's not as fast as McDavid. He doesn't have as good of a shot as Ovechkin. No, nope. he's not as good of a passer as Joe Thornton, but he puts it all together and he's unbelievable and is always in the freaking right place at the right time. He really is. Maybe he has the best hand eye coordination out of anybody. Yeah, that might be true. Actually, that's, that's possible. Uh, so okay, let's let's give some predictions. You know, I, I my guess is that we both think Philadelphia is out out and done with five points back. Are we Are we counting them out? Or I would say they're out. Okay, so that leaves us with maybe four teams competing for the bottom. Or for, for three spots. Uh, although Montreal isn't competing for the bottom spot in the Metro. So really three teams competing for two spots. And then the other three teams competing for one. Uh, I don't know. Sure. Uh, uh, Make it more confusing for the listeners. Who, who do you think ultimately makes it at this point? Now we're 12 games left. I think
1: who's in now is staying in. Now while I don't okay. think they might go in and out at some point. Like Columbus might drop. Montreal might get in. I do think ultimately Columbus and Carolina grab those last two wild card spots. Um, now, maybe they unseat Pittsburgh at some point and maybe Pittsburgh falls into a wild card spot or maybe the Islanders go on a, you know, a bit of a stretch now where they just start tanking it. I don't know. We'll see. But either way, I do think Carolina and Columbus are in Montreal is out.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I, I agree with you except for I'm going to be kind of a dick, kind of a dick because I really want the blue jackets to miss the playoffs. Well, I, I, I don't just, blame I you. I just have this like
1: uh, it would be great to see like you put all that effort in all those trades, you're going all in and then it blows up in your face just so badly. And
0: I mean it, that would be just real bad. So, yeah. So I mean that's I mean that that is my I guess my my negative wish, you know, I'm I'm kind of rooting against them. But just I because hate it's Interesting to see Montreal. I do not want them to be successful. Yeah, and but get in Montreal in the playoffs is so good. It's I mean, don't so get me wrong. Fun. It would be great if we see you know Montreal Toronto matchup. Would at you rather see Montreal in the playoffs or Columbus or Carolina? Like Carolina, all right, Carolina. At least they're doing like some weird, weird <laughs> stuff. Those bunch of jerks. Uh, at least they're doing interesting things. Columbus to me just is not interesting. You know, they're going to get in and it's going to be this, all right, they they squeaked in. Now can this team like take what they did and and catapult forward and finally win around. But here's the thing. What I, a boring storyline. Can they finally win around? That's your story though. No, my so my thing with Columbus
1: over Montreal is Even further than my hatred for Montreal is the fact that if Columbus gets in, I legitimately think they could win a round. They could beat some of these teams at the top. They could potentially push Tampa Bay. They could push Washington, depending on where they finish, and maybe beat one of those teams. Now, Montreal gets in, I don't care who they're playing, Washington, Tampa Bay, even the Islanders' first round, boom, I think they're done. They're in and out in five
0: games. Okay, that is a fair point that Columbus is a better first-round matchup a maybe a more interesting game. Yes, that's, that's a fair point. I, I guess in my hatred, although I have no reason <laughs> to hate Columbus, they well, they haven't done an, anything to me. They are in the same city as a certain football team that I hate. So that's tr- That's a great point. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, we'll sneak on over to the to the Western Conference, uh, where it is. We've kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, do you see anything changing? That's, that's my, you know, right now as it sits Winnipeg, Nashville, St. Louis, and you've got San Jose, Calgary, Vegas, and then it's Dallas, Arizona. Is this the order we're going to go in with? Uh, do we see some flip flopping? What do you think? This one's tough. I, I love the
1: storyline of Arizona as many man games, losses they've had. And Rick talk at the job he's done. And not only that, but as a goaltender, Darcy Kepner is just a great storyline. Uh, the problem is is they're like Montreal. They get in, right? They're getting bounced real quick, I think. I I don't see them going very far at all. At least Dallas, I know they've got potentially two decent lines where they can match up. Granite, Zuccarello comes back, right? That would be exciting to watch them. Minnesota, same thing. They get in. I, I think they're exciting enough to watch where I think they've got some offensive weapons where they can be a little dangerous, and if Dubnik turns it on, even more so. Um, the problem is, is boy, Minnesota just hasn't really looked that great lately, and uh, I mean six, two and two in their last ten, which isn't bad, but considering how well the teams in front of them are playing it's it's gonna be tough so i don't I don't know if I have an answer for you on
0: that one i I think to me I want to see error like Minnesota misses the playoffs, people just go okay like we we kind of have been looking at this team to dip. And they traded away Granlin you know, there, there's some moves that they, they traded. away need a There were some moves that kind of pointed to this team rebuilding. They also lost Koivu all year. They lost Dumba all year. Like this is kind of a, this is kind of a throwaway year. If they make the playoffs, they'll be happy. If they miss, I, I don't think they're going to be that upset other than some of the revenue lost. If Arizona makes the playoffs, this is massive for their development. It's great for the NHL. People were talking about Rick Tockett getting fired after one year because they played so poorly. Remember that start they had last year? That was just horrendous. They had another pretty bad start this year, too. And, of course, they experienced all these injuries. Just to get in the playoffs, even if they get swept, that is a massive win for this organization. I want to see Grabner get in the playoffs and score,
1: like, four shorthanded goals on breakaways, which would be fun. You know their leading goal scorer in Arizona, Clayton Keller, only has 16 goals. How they're winning with that is ridiculous, and yet they have more goals than the Dallas Stars. I just I don't understand it. It just blows my mind. I mean, they're getting balanced scoring up and down the lineup, which is awesome. Um, and their defense, dude. Arizona's defense when they're all healthy and on, dude, they're it's on. Good to, it's, a good it's a good defense. It's a good defense. It's real. It. I mean, and when it come playoff time too, that those are the games where you get like two one, you know, one nothing type games, and I think Arizona could benefit from that because they have such a good defensive core
0: and they're getting hot goaltending right now. Do you think we see any switch between Dallas, St. Louis, Nashville? Like, Is there any chance that Nashville or or Winnipeg get jumped? I don't think Nashville or Winnipeg get jumped. I do think St. Louis could
1: falter and move down and Dallas up into a top three spot. I do see that being a possibility now whether or not Winnipeg or Nashville flip flop one and two all all season is
0: probably gonna happen but um the problem is Dallas can't seem to win away from home they've you know they're fifteen seventeen and three away from home and you know they're gonna have to play some away games down the stretch here whereas Minnesota has played or St Louis has played pretty balanced and especially as of late they've played pretty well at home and so i I see St Louis kind of hanging where they are uh I think that it's a miracle that they are where they are <laughs> after that start that they had. Kudos on that for that team to, to kind of rally and pull things together. But I'll tell you what, though. If I'm San Jose, I do not
1: want to finish anywhere outside that number one spot in the Pacific because I don't want to play Vegas. No, I'll, I I'll take
0: them in the second round, please. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's a better Let Calgary wear them down a little bit. Well, well I, mean, I think if anything, I think Calgary beats Vegas. You do? Yeah. I do. Okay. I, I think that Calgary has something special happening there this year uh and james neal's on their fourth line the playoffs jason Spetz is on Taylor's <laughs> <forget>, fourth line <laughs> don't forget the playoffs is a new season yeah that's his bread and, and butter. guys can go you know i had a horrible year i'm just going to give it all i've got right here and they can change their seasons around uh guys that you didn't the guys that you looked and they had seven goals all year long they can have seven goals in a in a playoff run uh, it's yeah, it's Devante not crazy Smith-Pelly. for it to happen. Exactly, <laughs> a guy who was waived by the Washington Capitals, uh, he'll probably come in and score goals in the playoffs. Like, it's just what happens. <laughs> uh, there's certain players that just it's that time of year. I, I don't know why. There's statistically people will go, oh no, that's not really real. Yes, it it's real. It's just you can't have you can't overpay those guys because in the regular season they're not going to be good. They're not going to be good enough for 82 games, but they can get into this stretch for 20 games where they they play about way way above their pay grade. Yeah, and let's face it, you got to get in first before those guys can exactly. You know, so exactly. Which I mean, Washington. I, fortunately for them, nobody picked up Devontae Smith Pelly when they put him on waivers uh, when they were making some deals at the deadline. Uh, he'll be back and and they'll be be good. Any other final thoughts before we? kick the can on over to the weekend.
1: No, no, this will be, this will be an interesting final race for the playoffs. I'm, I'm excited for
0: these last dozen games here. It's going to be wonderful. I I'll say one, one thing that I'm, uh, these are these last 10 games are hard. If your team is locked in a certain spot, even if you're like San Jose or Calgary, these games are, well, they're like, they can still be fun. They can still be great games. Uh, I'm more interested in the playoff races. Like I'm, oh, I'm absolutely. I start to veer away now that, you know, the Leafs. they're, they're going to make the playoffs. It's fine. I'm not, I'm really not worried about it. Um, I'm worried about a first round matchup with Boston because either way, the second best team in the Eastern conference loses in the first round. Right. So maybe third best, maybe that's not giving enough credit to Washington who has just gone ham lately too. Uh, but it, I'm. It, you know, I'm, I'm, Tune in into a Dallas, Minnesota games that I I haven't been looking at in the, you know, during when it game 35. Now I'm looking at these because they're exciting and they mean something. They've they've got a lot more, I don't know, just a little bit more grit to those games. So you want to watch the playoffs right now? Go and find those games where it's teams battling for the playoffs to get in. And, and to me, they're more exciting. And you know, sometimes you get those games where it's a team so far in the playoffs and a team out of the playoffs. So the team out of the playoffs is just scratching and desperate to get any point they can because they think that they can win. And then, we're, oh, we're only six points out now. And, oh, now we're four points out. And then you lose two in a row and you're way back again. And Florida. Just, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'd rather watch those, those tight, tightly knit games. There. So with that said, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. We will – our next show – sure we'll be recorded here sometime soon i'm actually going to chicago for a wedding so i'll be gone this weekend but uh early next week we'll be back for another episode of overtime hockey talk justin where can people find us ot hockey talk yeah where twitter twitter yeah Yeah. there you go (laughs) where I, i don't know why i just went into preschool mode i'm sorry all right guys have a good weekend